That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hey, we're back, and so it's uh, the third Sunday of Lent. Fourth Sunday, dang it. Oh, it's the fourth Sunday. Wow, it's just, time is spinning. <laughs> Be able to drink bourbon before you know it. So anyway... Um, <laughs> So uh, how's uh, how how's things going? <laughs> <laughs> Worst opening in the history of same old song. You just reminded me of uh, so how are things going? <laughs> that thing with you know Ralph Wiggum and the Simpsons, the police chief's son. He loves Lisa Simpson, so he finally gets to go out with him, and he can't make conversations. I was like, so um, do you like stuff? That's what that felt like, Jake. That was a good one. This is almost so, a blooper, but uh, let's just keep it. Let's just keep it. I think this is yeah, why good. Not? This is great. This is the kind of real, gritty, authentic uh, clergy dialogue mm. that, that same old song yeah. offers. Uh, by the way, I do... Let's let everybody know we're real. We're real. We are real. We're, we're, we're real, and we're in the trenches of ministry, and so we, we know what that's like and we're always coming in sort of metaphorically on two wheels with our with our hair on fire uh you know but it's good stuff it's all good it's all good uh anything for dave's all that's right that's right and uh dave i think jake needs a raise so if you could make that no happen. no definitely not it's yeah. jacking on my taxes uh, so. <laughs> yeah 1099s baby it's that time that's always i feel like that's a good lenten discipline is to is to uh, you know you have to do your taxes during Lent and it's like this this tracks this feels this is actual suffering that's where you don't have mm. to deal with it. I, as we begin though, I do want to give a shout out to Murray and Mark Bromstad who visited St Albans Waco this past Sunday. Uh, there were people in the congregation before the service were like, "There's some people here from Georgia mm. and they uh, they listen to your they listen to your to your blog." <laughs> Somebody said something that <laughs> they listen to your blog. <laughs> I was like, "That's really no. funny." And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Ryan Alvey, who's uh, also uh, really enjoying the same old song and uh, sent me a personal email saying thank you for my work. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a, uh, but shout out to Ryan Alvey. So uh, another so- same old song supporter and fan. Don't, don't latch onto my shout out. This was a Bromstead shout out. Now you're oh, stealing it sorry. for Alvey. It's all right though. You're still special Bromsteads. <laughs> you came all the way to Waco, Texas. So God bless you. But it was great to see that's a, that's you guys. That's quite a and, pilgrimage. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, there were other reasons to be in Texas. I won't take all the credit, but it was really mm-hmm. cool to see them and their family and uh, get to meet <laughs> folks who are, who are blessed by this uh, by this ministry of you and me, good. So, and the Lord is most important, and the gospel. So let's let's uh, let's get into it for the fourth Sunday in Lent, which is uh, uh, got some. Gosh, talk about suffering! Long readings. Thankfully, they're a little merciful with the uh, epistle, the New Testament reading. But um, we begin with First Samuel, or as he would have been pronounced in Hebrew, Shmuel. 16 verses 1 through 13 and then we have uh ephesians 5 8 through 14 and then the long 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 
but amazing story from John 9, verses 1 all the way through 41. Um, a man is healed, a blind man is healed. So let's jump into it with uh, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, um, as we continue this uh, this Lenten journey through the Old Testament. Anything you want to say here, Jake, about this passage? I mean, the main idea here is don't look at the appearance, look what's in people. Um, this is the, the anointing of King David to be the king, because Saul has been a total lemon of a king uh so they want to get they want to return him for the for the warranty and get a new king mm-hmm. um with david <laughs> so anything you want to say about this um well i think uh, a couple of things that really immediately stick out is that uh yes you're right uh, saul was a lemon of a king and when it talks about uh god rejecting um, Saul, this uh, oftentimes freaks people out. And uh, it's important to note here that this isn't an eternal rejection. This is uh, a rejection of him as a king. And then so you have this amazing, uh, so I mean, that's an important point because people are like, oh my gosh, you know, don't don't mess up or God will eternally reject you. And that's not what this is about. This is rejecting him as the king. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, Israel never needed a king because they had a king already and it was God. But, uh, you know, this is a really uh, an interesting, and there's a couple of things that I would touch point on here, is, is here you have, absolutely, you have the brothers of David all lined up, and this isn't the one, this isn't the one, and, uh, you know, all the people that Samuel thinks this is definitely it are not. And what this means when we read through First Samuel is that God's choice will be in complete contrast to the way the world typically works. Uh, God's choice will often run contrary to the, what the world values, and uh, the people's choice. And God's choice, as we read throughout the rest of the scripture, uh, you know, beginning here with David, will ripple out and bring about the redemption of the world. But in Jesus, just like it did with David, it always runs contrary to the values of this sinful world. Uh, This story also is an example of covert operations in the Old Testament. You've got Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite, and who's the father of King David, and God sends the prophet Samuel on this sort of uh, covert mission to anoint a king because there is already a king who doesn't want to be replaced. He doesn't want to be sacked, and so Samuel has to sort of, uh, on God's instruction, interestingly, don't make this the point of your sermon, but it is, I think, worth noting that I'm going that, up to sacrifice yeah, he's like, a lamb. Go, a go lie. Samuel, and uh, or at least tell the mm-hmm. truth in a way that doesn't reveal what you're actually doing. Yeah, Expose, so yeah. Um, I also think it's an interesting example of something happening in, in the scriptures that often happens to clergy, is that when we approach or ask people or call people or email people, they're like, do you come peaceably? Like, what? am I in trouble? Or what, what did I do wrong? Like, that whole thing. Mm. It's just interesting to me, that anxiety that I pick up from people when they run into me in the in the wine aisle at the local grocery store, and they're like, ha, 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 ha I, I'm just getting a case for my friends. So, uh, <laughs> the uh, do you come peaceably? And, you know, Samuel would make the rounds in Israel and would, uh, when he showed up in a village, often there were some, or a town, there were some, some scores to settle, some issues to deal with. Yeah, Samuel is the last of the judge. That's right. The last of the judges. So, I mean, he's, he's basically like, a, I mean, he is a prophet, but he's more like a prophet, not in a in your brain kind of prophet sense, but more in like an actual yeah. like war chief. Think Taliban war chief. Kind of like up. doing so, a spiritual yeah. and judicial audit when he shows up. 
and settling scores as needed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he definitely had a military leadership role. He had to slaughter a bunch of people that Saul let live that he was expressly commanded to not because of their idolatry mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, I think. Again, we're probably going too deep on this one, but I would say if you do, uh, well, yeah, the the main I thing is uh, the, the, looking at not the the main line here is if you want to preach a Lenten sermon, the Lord does not see as mortals see; they look on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart, and that's verse seven. Which many people would hear like, mm. "Don't judge a book by its cover." Like deep down, you're special. Which yes, you are made in the image mm-hmm. of God and a beloved creation of your Creator. <laughs> You still listen to that I, song no, from last on week? Sunday, but uh, so. I've I've moved on. I've moved on. <laughs> no, good. I mean it's still in my playlist. But um, the uh, the thing uh, don't make fun of Lizzo. The the thing um, here is we think the Lord looks in the heart you and is like deep down you're really good. The Bible speaks a little bit more like uh, yes, deep down there's some good stuff, but deep down there's some not so good stuff. So uh, and if you read the rest of Samuel, you'll see that David is problematic. He's got all these wives and concubines. He's uh, he loses his temper with. Uh, Nabal, uh, Abigail's husband, and wants to kill him. And so David pretends to be a Philistine um, and lies to the king of Gath. So there's a bunch of stuff here. So don't, when you say the Lord looks on the heart, that's not like you're deep, deep down, you're good enough and, and, um, you know, there's a twinkle in God's eye when he looks at you. Yes, there's a twinkle in God's eye when he looks at you. He loves you, but not because your heart is good deep down, but because he loves you. And he loves you. That's it. The heart of human beings, as Jesus says, is full of deceitful things. Um, and Jeremiah, the prophet, will say the same thing. So, look at your heart. You should be a little bit fear and trembling when you do that. And But then this is where you would take this message to the cross, because ultimately, the sinful people who didn't even really need a king but got one end up getting, in this passage, King David, who is the pre-runner forerunner of Christ, who's called the son of David. So all this, when you look at your heart and you get scared of what you see there, know that you have Jesus who sees the heart and still goes to the cross, the grave, and ultimately uh, ascends into heaven with his resurrected body for you. And this is, and this is how it ties into like what you said to what I said about God's choice. You know, uh, God's choice is never our choice or the world's choice or what the world would choose valuable. Um, but ultimately, God's choice is found in King David's heir, which is King Jesus. And in King Jesus, um, yeah, uh, God uh, looks down upon you and your heart with all of its issues, and God says, I choose you. And uh, this is amazing, because in complete contrast to the way the world works, which says, mm-hmm. save yourself, or as they said to this king on the cross, you know, save yourself, uh, um, Jesus on the cross literally waged war with sin, death, and the devil. Uh, that's at the core of every human heart for you, and he won. And it doesn't matter what you look like, what you've been through, or what you've done, and the ramifications of it. Jesus has forgiven you and has filled you with his Holy Spirit, uh, that love that will not let you go. And really, that is the heart of the gospel of this particular passage, that in God's ultimate choice, King Jesus, you have Would been Would you say he's well. never going to give you up and never going to let you down, never going to run around or desert you? <laughs> you just got yes. rickrolled, same old song listeners, as did Jacob Smith. <laughs> and that, just, that, that was in my notes. It just it's came good. from the Holy Spirit. It's good. Okay, it's good. Rick Astley, shout out. Okay. All right. 
just last, yep, there they last went. seven. Unsubscribe. Lessons. Click. Seven, Thank you. Ephesians 5, <laughs> verses 8 through 14. Once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of the light. Uh, and um, uh, this is, this is to me, this is kind of the, uh, just a little uh, bright spot in this Lenten season. Um, it talks of, about, uh, but it's nevertheless still kind of on those themes of Lent, uh, sort of what's going on internally, just like we heard in um, the First Samuel passage of God looking at what's in the heart. Here you have the same idea here. Um, it is shameful even to mention what such people, meaning people who do works of darkness, what they do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. So this idea of being exposed, um, f- like God seeing the hidden things. So again, just like looking in the deep recesses of your heart can be a scary thing. Here, things that are hidden can be scary, the idea of them coming out into the light. But ultimately, that is uh, God lives in reality. And to the extent that you're living in denial and in hiding, that's a place where you're trying to hide from God. And you will not know peace. You will know a fake peace. If you are someone um, who lives with a secret, you know how toxic that is in your relationships and your family. Uh, um, it's just, I don't know, it's hard. If there's a, as we're pastors, Jake, so we know of people with secrets and we've seen what it can do in families. And um, that old saying in AA, you're only as sick as your secrets. It's totally true. So, um, Lent is a great time to come into the light, and that's mm. sort of what this passage is about. And you could preach a whole sermon on that. Um, and you can, but I, I would say you can come into the light because you know you will not be condemned. You know that in Christ, God has redeemed you and saved you and called you holy and free. I, um, when I was in seminary, uh, our our mentor Paul Zoll taught a lot about um, the gospel, and one of the things he always related it to was twelve steps. And uh, the AA movement, which actually was founded sort of at uh, Calvary St. George's, Jake, where you work. So, and he said, you know, if you can find an open meeting, even if you're not in recovery, you should go. And so I did. I went to an open meeting. And what was sort of amazing about that to me, um, I'd never sat in that situation before. And I heard uh, somebody in the meeting say, hi, my name is such and such, and I'm an alcoholic, which you know, to my ears sounded like, you know, admitting the worst thing that you could possibly say or some really, maybe not the worst thing, but pretty, you know, something you don't usually lead with in job interviews and first dates and saying that. And then everybody's response was like, hi, Steve. Like it was totally cool. So um, that's what is, that's what we have in the gospel with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the reason you can acknowledge what is in the darkness in your secrets and your hiding places is because you know god has already declared you his his beloved child in christ so Mm. yeah thank you that's good well so since there's nothing that you can add to that amazing word that i just gave uh (laughs) let's move on to john chapter 9 john 9 verses 1 through 41 uh and this is jesus walking along and meeting a blind man and he gets asked this uh, question um, by his disciples, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, Jake, what's the answer? Boy, isn't that the way we love to, uh, we love to figure out who did it, you know, um, who's wrong so we can categorize people. And, uh, you know, really, I mean, I think that's uh, one of uh, the important lessons is that Jesus's favor, God's favor is not contingent on our situations. Um, Unfortunately, so much of Christianity has um, 
been baptized by Aristotle and Plato as opposed to um, uh, ditching those dudes completely. And so we have this funky idea that um, if what I see around me seems to be going good, God must be up there really happy with me. And uh, if I um, look around and things seem to be going bad, then uh, things above must not be right. You know what I mean? And I've got to figure that out. And uh, the truth is, is that's not how God operates. And that's to simply see with natural eyes and uh, to base God's blessings or curses on what you see around you and how things are going for you. Uh, that is actually to live in spiritual blindness. And to tie that into the Ephesians reading, well, uh, like St. Paul, you want to wake up, wake up and put on a little makeup. So, but... Uh, um, <laughs> quote system of a down. But anyway, uh, so, but, um, uh, you know, that's one of the first things that I would, I would touch on this is that, uh, you know, is that it's God's blessing is not contingent based on the things that yeah, we see. Yeah. And I think, uh, the, it is common for everybody to think that if something bad has happened to you, it's because you sinned. If something good happened to you, it's because you were good. And this sort of quid pro quo, I always call it sound of music theology. And I love the sound of music. But in mm -hmm. that scene where mm -hmm. uh, Maria is dancing with Christopher Plummer, Captain Von Trapp, Georg, in the mm -hmm. uh, gazebo at the like or outside in the night of the party, they're realizing they love each other and all that. And she says, somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good to be mm -hmm. rewarded this way with Christopher Plummer. I mean, who wouldn't? Who could be blamed for thinking that way? But uh, that is not what we have here. That's the Because the bad side of that is if something bad has happened to you, like you're born blind, somebody must have sinned, either you or your parents or something like that. And Jesus here definitively breaks the connection between um, sort of uh, that, that uh, if, you, if bad stuff happens, it's because you did something bad. If you, it, it breaks the whole merit-based sort of situation. Um, and, yeah. and he says, that's, that's not how God works in life. Uh, and then he heals this man just to yeah. kind of demonstrate. And also he, to show the fact that God is not in the business of handing out merit badges and gold stars. Jesus does this healing on the Sabbath and in a way to, to sort of intentionally break how people thought the Sabbath worked. So he makes, he, he makes mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's mud in your eye. So he kind of, it's there's not just, he doesn't eye. just like kind of whisper like, and now you can see. And then he suddenly can see. He makes, yeah. Jesus makes mud, makes the guy go wash, like makes him walk to the pool, like all this sort of stuff. Um, just to make mm -hmm. sure that it's quite clear that he did this on the Sabbath and he broke the Sabbath and all that. And they think that no one could do a good thing. Can I, can I tell you a couple of funky sub, sub, two like Absolutely. funny sub points of that? Funny sub points. So this is interesting. So um, Jesus is always heals people in different ways throughout the Gospels, uh, because what we would be inclined to do would be to worship the method, as opposed to the uh, to, to Jesus Himself. Uh, the second reason Jesus heals with mud in this particular instance is that in the Greek word there, it's not mud, it's clay. So Jesus makes clay, and according to the Pharisaical law of the day, making clay was right. considered work yep. on the Sabbath, which was forbidden. So he's not only healing on the Sabbath, but he's working on the Sabbath. And this is what gets all of the Pharisees' attention. Uh, yeah, and he uh, didn't attention. have to do this. He does it on purpose to break the rules to, again, draw attention to the fact that God's work in the world... God's uh, good work in the world is not uh -huh. because we have done good things. And Jesus Jesus makes himself look like a rule breaker, basically. Saying, See, I can still do the miracles and break the rules. Ha <laughs> ha, it's not quite as cut and dry, black and white as you think. Yeah. 
And here's the sacramental connection. He he uh, speaks to him, so you have water, and then he goes and tells mm-hmm. him to wash his face, or you have word and water. So you have these things, you know, which all of a sudden brings about almost sight, which is light has Amen. shined in the darkness, new birth. I mean, this is a new man. And so there are all of these different images working out that you can play with. In yeah, your and I mean, the, the other through line going through all these passages <clears throat> is what what God sees. So in 1 Samuel, God sees what's in the heart, not what's on the outside of a person. In Ephesians, it's sort of um, the light versus darkness and everything becoming visible. Um, and then in John 9, it's sort of, uh, I washed and now I see. And um, it was your eyes he opened. So it's all this blindness, sight, and light, and dark. All that is all throughout these passages. And um, ultimately, what's really cool is that this uh, this guy who is healed um, of his blindness, ironically, he's the one that can see, and more not just in the world, but can see spiritually, whereas the Pharisees in this story are the ones who remain spiritually blind. The the idea mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God, which is central to Jesus' teaching, is um, this idea that God comes in the world to act graciously to people, giving good things mm-hmm. to those who do not deserve it, being a friend of sinners and a healer of the sick, not just rewarding the, the good kids. So um, to be able to see that is amazing. And this really... And that's what you see here. Yeah. And this really irritates the Pharisees because they, they, uh, they think they have something to contribute. And this is what it means that the, the works of God are being revealed. This is done so that the works of God may reveal. Is that the light of the world has come into the world and is shining upon all. But the truth is that unbelief, uh, this becomes a blinding light to the point that you cannot see. And uh, the truth of the matter is, and if you want to get this down existentially and bring this home to everybody, is that we're all born blind. Everybody is born blind. This is what it is to be a human. Uh, We're all born steeped in sin. And just like that blind man could not will his sight, so we cannot will ourselves to believe in Jesus. Uh, Nevertheless, he comes to us in our sin. And Jesus comes to us in our blindness. He comes to us in our darkness and our helpless state. And uh, by the power of the Holy Mm. Spirit, by water and the word, we call it baptism, you know, uh, we're given the eyes of faith, the eyes to truly see Uh, in Christ, we see ourselves as we are, but more importantly, we see Jesus for who he is, the actual savior and friend of sinners, which means, uh, uh, as your favorite song currently goes, uh, you're special. I love how this man responds to the the Pharisees (laughs) When they ask him, and it's cruel because they get the, the righteous yeah. chuck him um, out, and then they they want to they want to kind of get to the bottom of this case. This is like Law and Order SVU, but it's like the the they want to like how how is Jesus doing this? They want to investigate this case and see what's going on, um, and you know how did how did he do this? And they say you know we know this man is a sinner, and I love that the guy says. Look, I don't know what in verse 25, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but one thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. And this is the, this is the, this is the work of Christ, that um, he doesn't get, this man doesn't get bogged down in these uh, questions about um, all the minute details of obedience to the law. 
which many Christian churches have versions of that today. But he says, like, I'm, he saved me. Like, I was toast, and he saved me. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the power of God working in people's lives, and this is on offer to people today. And so I think um, there's not a single person, as you said, Jake, in your congregation that is not, in some sense, a person who's been born blind and needs help, a person that is in a mm-hmm. bad way and needs rescue. And Jesus comes to offer that. Um, and... Uh, and being able to see that is really powerful. Um, so this is what you offer to your people on, on the fourth Sunday in Lent. Uh, God sees what they actually are going through, who they actually are, and comes to offer healing and grace and forgiveness, um, not because of your deserving or not deserving. So that we might see so that we might see him as he actually is, a loving and merciful Amen. Savior. Well, that'll do it for Lent chapter 4. Amen. And um, I feel good about this episode, Jake. How do a you better feel? Ending, a better ending than... Well, I feel like it was a better yeah. ending than the but start. But I feel like so that anyway, start was gold. Here we I go. It's going to go down as all It was time. fresh. It was good. <laughs> it was natural. Well, let's leave it at that. The natural episode. All right. <laughs> Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.